Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I am so here. Oh, I'm having a good day. You guys, I got a letter from a listener that almost made me burst into tears. It was so nice. All right, so we were talking about seed starting last week, and inspired by this, uh, Sheila Ray sent me seeds from the grape tomato plants that her family has been growing for 60 years. I, I, I opened my mail, and I just, like, tears leapt to my eyes. I am so honored to be welcomed into your home and into your life and into your kind of continuing stream of, of Johnson family for for 60 odd years. Sheila Ray, I just I, honestly, I'm so touched. It was one of the most possibly my entire career, one of the most touching pieces of mail I've ever gotten. So, of course, you all know a lot of food is emotional, right? I love my grandma Millie's noodle kugel, even though it's always dry. The noodles on the top were terribly dry. But I and I don't even I'm not a I'm not a great lover of the cooked raisins. I my grandma Millie passed on, you know, twenty odd years ago. I would I would pay a thousand dollars to to get a get a taste of that exact kugel today. Emotions and food are huge. We do not talk about them. I'm bringing this up today. Not just because I now have some cherry tomato seeds that I am so treasuring. I'm so, so honored. Uh, But because I'm talking to Maggie Batista, she has a book called A New Way to Food, a cookbook inspired by how I learned to love me at last. I'm doing an event with Maggie. We'll be at Majors and Quinn Tuesday night in Uptown Minneapolis, the bookstore, the wonderful independent bookstore. Got to support our wonderful independent bookstores, or we will not have them, and we won't get events like this anymore. You can't have events like this at Amazon. Um, and so Maggie Batiste is coming. She's got this book, A New Way to Food. bunch of important people will all be there. It will be me. And then Stephanie Meyer, who writes about, you know, kind of eating through different allergies. And uh, Melissa Coleman, who's behind The Minimalist Kitchen. I like A Minimalist Kitchen. I don't like to have too much stuff in there because it gets in the way of kind of really what food is about, which is nourishing yourself. And and so the reason we're all doing this is because Maggie has this book. It's a little bit of a memoir. It's a little bit of a strategy to to heal your body, heal your soul, um, and and just really heartfelt. Uh, I I I don't know if I've seen a book like it. It's really touching. Maggie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. What an introduction. Thank oh, you. I am. Well, you probably won't get a grape tomato uh, introduction anywhere else in this fair <laughs> country of ours. But, uh, you know, so people don't, if people don't know you, let's kind of just start at the basics. At a time, you were a child of a very beautiful model. To start us there, where where was this? Uh, it was in New Jersey. 
crazy. I've lived all over the U.S., but I was raised there. Uh, and my mother, who hailed from uh, Honduras, had been a model and a singer there. Um, so she came to the U.S. for the American dream and met my dad, um, an Italian-American immigrant. So I am picturing a total like charo, you know, sequins and gorgeous. Is that your mom? <laughs> she was pretty. She was pretty beautiful. Um, I don't know about charo, but uh, she did have a lot of sparkly clothes in that closet, definitely. Ugh. And so then, but this wasn't, uh, you know, but you weren't a little sparkle princess yourself. You no, actually, I was much more uh, studious. Uh, and, um, I, I was a little scared of all that sparkly clothing and, uh, all the makeup she put on her face, everything she did. I kind of was the opposite of that. I didn't want to show myself off. I kind of wanted to hide behind big baggy clothing. It's comfortable in big baggy clothing. (laughs) It is. It's comfortable. And also, uh, that way I could hide my size, which always seemed to be a topic, between family, friends, teachers, doctors, everywhere I went. Yeah, that's hard on a little girl. It is. It is. It's hard on a big little kid. Um, You know, I think it's happening less today, but for me, it was the topic of conversation every day. So um, it sort of changed how I saw myself and sort of warped how I approached everything, really, in life. Um, so it was really hard. But Yes, because um, that's that thing where it's like the message you get every day is that there's something wrong, right? There's some, You're the wrong, something's wrong, you're doing something wrong, you are something wrong, right? Right, and as a kid, you don't limit it just to your body, right? You start to believe it in your head that it's not just my belly that's wrong or my thighs that are wrong, but, like, I am wrong, so you approach everything from trying to fix everything. Like everything has to be fixed. Everything has to be better. You're not good enough in so many ways, you know? Yeah. And then you failed when Weight Watchers didn't fix everything or when, uh, I don't know what, not having pie at Thanksgiving didn't fix everything. Right. Everything I tried didn't fix everything. Uh, and I felt like, you know, through my teens and my 20s, and my 30s, it was a mission to try anything to fix everything, and nothing really worked. Uh, and I think that's because, you know, I had taken it into my brain that there was something wrong, and there was really stuff beyond all these food plans that I needed to work on. Yeah, we have so much of that in this culture, so much of that weird puritanical, like, you're a moral failure, you've, you know, wrong, wrong, wrong. And uh, it, it's so cruel. And I had a, I had a, an aunt who was obese, and she was just outcast from the family in a lot of ways. Her, you know, her, her mother was really cruel to her. And it you know, the whole thing was just a uh, just a, a cluster. She she died when I was young, but it was, you know, I was old enough to, I think she died when I was maybe in junior high, but I was mm-hmm. old enough to recognize that, like, this whole system is just cruel. Cruel, yeah. I, I feel like it's better today, but when that happens, when your family and your friends begin to point it out and ostracize you in some way, then you start thinking, gosh, like, I'm not good enough just to live life. I'm not good enough just to go to the store and buy clothes. 
I'm not good enough to do this or that. And so it limits your life, too, which is really, really sad. It limited life for me, definitely. Yeah, and you become a little bit of an outcast at family gatherings. Like, everyone's having stuffing, and you have to have more salad. Like, everyone's looking at you. Like, it's a whole thing. Right, and it's there's, like, this freedom for all of us to talk about what's on my plate. You know, everyone can comment on it. And I was just like, this is weird, but okay, I'm a kid. I guess it's everybody's right to say, put more green beans on your plate and remove that piece of pie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, but it's, it's not okay. Actually, <laughs> I learned it wasn't, it, I learned it wasn't okay then. It's not okay now. Uh, and how did, you, that, how did you learn? How did you break that cycle? You talk about it in the book as if it was like a, a nutritionist from outside, but I just felt like that couldn't be the whole thing. It wasn't, you know, I feel like certainly I had help on this journey, no question, but I did a lot of it on my own. A lot of the soul searching was, me writing in a journal or sitting in silence or questioning myself. So the way I broke it was to begin asking myself questions when I felt uncomfortable. So when someone said to me, is that salad going to be enough for you? (laughs) I said, I started to question in my head, how do I feel about that? Is that right? You know, I'm not a kid anymore. Is that person complimenting me, insulting me? Is that even about me at all? So I had to really go through this questioning, which actually ended up being super healthy uh, because I went through all this growth. I questioned everything, and I came out on the other end learning that um, I was okay just the way I was, which was like that. that I want to pause there for a second. That sort of, you know, not running away from discomfort, that is the hardest thing, I think. You know, there's so much just sort of, I feel like, biochemically in any brain that is like, oh, this is painful, run, you know, like, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna change the subject or I'm going to get angry. I'm going to eat, a, you know, a something that makes me feel better. Like, you know, just staying with discomfort, you know, good for you. That is the hardest thing. Yeah, you know, I found that... Um Certainly, I would, like, run to food in that discomfort, and I had to pause and question myself. But sometimes, like, instead of running from it, we want to numb ourselves. So sometimes I'd run to television and, like, sit there with these fantasy movie musicals, um, you know, on the television and sort of numb my brain so I didn't have to think about something that just happened. And you know what? I kind of stopped watching television. I thought, listen, you can't use these distractions to cope. You kind of have to just face it. And that... That, I think, is what got me through this. Interesting. Okay. And so then, you know, so you you entered this period of really being present with and looking at the weird systems you were in, and then you started cooking your way out of it because that's the thing about food. It's like you can't just, you know, it's not like Alcoholics Anonymous, just cold turkey, that stuff. Like you you need it three hours later. Yeah. You actually have to eat it. Right. (laughs) You have to buy it. You have to store it. You have to cook for it or cook for others, uh, cook for family. So um, I started to be really present and spending more time in the kitchen alone, um, you know, without family members, without my partner, and cooking and eating and listening to how I felt. And that's what, what many of these recipes are. That's where they came from, from that period of, cooking by myself, listening to myself, 
eating and, and just seeing how, how it felt when it went down. And I noticed, oh, gosh, when I'm eating these vegetables, it's fresh, it's fresh produce. There's a reason people say that stuff's good for you in some way because it felt better than some of the other things. Interesting. And, and so you it. did some of that very, like, intentionally. You actually kept a journal, right? I did. I kept a journal that tracked not just what I was eating, um, and I wasn't measuring anything. I just was saying, okay, you had a salad this morning, and here's what you put on top of it. And then I kept a journal of how I felt after I ate it. So if there was some discomfort in my body, if I felt bloated, um, if I felt tired, I would write that down. And I would go through those feelings with my coach and talk through them a bit. And we would try to troubleshoot some of that and say, okay, well, you felt really good with that salad. Why don't you eat more vegetables and maybe a little less dairy, you know? So it was really helpful to have someone to talk through some of those things with. And and then so once you started doing that, you kind of took that next step and started making recipes. I did. I did. I've always made recipes. Uh, I had a first cookbook that came out several years ago. Uh, that book was delicious and filled with very indulgent, sweet treats. It's wonderful. It was about food gifts. Uh, but what I did was started writing these recipes down that were feeling good uh, and decided at some point, okay, I've got so many of them. What am I going to do with them? So I put them into this cookbook. Well, I think that that's another thing that must be kind of hard. Like you build a brand as a, somebody who has like ooey gooey brownies and then you want to not, you can't live like that. You can't be the ooey gooey brownie girl. That's another, that's kind of <laughs> hard ship to steer. It, yeah, it's funny. I was doing a podcast yesterday and people said, well, you're the food gift lady. I'm right. And I said, well, um, I do make food gifts, but I don't eat that stuff for three meals a day. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You have to kind of deal with that um, and know that's okay that people think of you that way. It's totally cool. But for me, I can't be eating jams and cookies all the time. I just didn't feel good when I did. So I, um, I do that stuff sparingly, and I do it for other people. But these are the recipes in a new way to food. These recipes are the ones that I eat all the time. Okay, so we're going to take a little break here. We're going to come back with Maggie Batista. We'll kind of talk about some of the details. Dara here. All right, I am back with Maggie Batista. I'm talking about her with her about her new book, A New Way to Food. It's a cookbook inspired by how I learned to love me at last. And, of course, got some mean texts. Uh, someone along the lines of, have some yogurt, shut up and move on. Uh, and this is what I have to say to you, my fair texter. You know, I I understand that that we have all grown up, we have all been raised, we are all swimming in this universe of kind of casual cruelty. But look around. You know, an estimated 160 million Americans are either obese or overweight. That's three quarters of American men. So that's 75 percent of American men now are obese. And more than 60% of women are obese or overweight. And, you know, what are, are, is what we're doing working? You know, I understand that we've all been given messages of like, suck it up, be cruel, you can do it, what's wrong with you? Everybody on TV is a size two. Why aren't you like them? Well, 
you know, none of this is working. This is not leading us to have our best country or our best selves. And uh, it, it's really time to kind of be kinder to yourself and be kinder to the people around you. And you would be surprised at, I think, what comes out. You look around your family, look around your neighborhood, and you're going to see people that are suffering and and they're not trusting you with it. And so this would, you know, if you can find a little air and space for those people, you would have more intimacy and more connection with those people. And I know I don't really blame people for having these these systems of of intolerance and cruelty and like suck it up, something wrong with you. Because we're all raised in that. But we really need to shift it. I, I believe this profoundly. And I think it was brave of Maggie to write this book. There's a reason why, you know, you never see, you know, people in food talking about weight, you know. Uh, it, it, and it's because you open yourself up to mean texts like that. All right. So Maggie Batista, I think it was really brave of you to write this book. And so I applaud you for that. Let's talk about some of the some of the details. So you talked about you kept this journal and you were kind of recording what made you feel good. And then I imagine you started adding those things. I did. Yeah, I started pulling those things together and thinking, okay, these foods make me feel good. You know, these foods make me feel not so great. They're not bad. They just don't feel that great. So I kind of slowly restructured how I was going to eat for what I hope is the rest of my life, which is way more intuitively, you know, and listening to what my body's telling me, what my brain's telling me. That doesn't mean I'm not going to eat something that's super delicious and indulgent. You know, I'm just going to eat that stuff a lot less often. And I'm going to focus on some of the foods that make me feel stronger, more energetic, you know, that make me want to go do yoga, that make me want to go to the gym, those sorts of things. Okay, so I assume that's not just Red Bull. So what are some what are, what are some of the foods that make you feel energetic? <laughs> so, so I eat a lot of greens, um, and I know greens, everyone has mixed emotions about greens, but I eat a lot of green vegetables throughout the day and make sure that they're kind of spread around because I do feel more energetic when I eat those greens. Um, and I try to fill in with other vegetables as well, but I just – there's a lot more nutrients in greens. There's actually some protein in greens, too. Go figure. Um, I eat a lot of beans and a lot of things that have protein like that. So beans, um, I found that I had energy when I ate really good for me eggs. Um, so I kind of make sure that my diet has a little bit of all those things incorporated into it. And so if people are kind of listening to this, like where I always tell people, if you're going to start somewhere, I always just say lentil soup, because that's for me, you know, just got the biggest bang for your buck. It's it's high fiber. It's, you know, I, I think it's delicious. <laughs> where do you tell people to start? Uh, you know, I, I love lentil soup. So I love lentils. They're wonderful. Uh, I, I generally start with like, something really fortifying um, that's going to really fill you up. Uh, so I, I tell people, uh, yeah, salad is great. I love salads. That might not give you everything you need. So um, I have found, you know, I grew up with a lot of beans and rice in my life, and I sort of hated it as a kid. Um, there were a lot of controversial feelings in my family around beans and rice. 
Um, what were the controversial but, feelings? Well, well, the thing is, we always had rice in the house. We were a family that loved rice, um, but there were a lot of feelings about how much rice was on my plate. Oh, gosh. Um, but there, were, there was always a big pot of orange-tinted rice on the stove, so it was sort of a readily available food. So there was always conversation about, is it good for you? Is it not good for you? We grew up on it. Um, so I didn't like rice and beans as a kid because there was just lots of talk about it. Um, but I love it now, and that's one of the places I tell people to start. You know, if you can make a bowl of rice, if you can make a pot of beans and then add some greens to it, that's a meal I could eat every day, beans, rice, and greens. Oh, I, I could talk to you forever. I love beans, rice, and greens. Those are good yeah. Things. All right, everybody, you want to hear more about all of this? Come on up. Come on down to Majors and Quinn, the Uptown Bookstore, great independent bookstore. We will be there. Maggie and I are going to meet in real life for the first time Tuesday night at 7. I'm um, so excited. I am so excited, too. I've got links to everything on my Facebook, on my Twitter, at Deirdara, on Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine's website, mspmag.com. We're all over the place with this. It's an all-star rolling out the red carpet. It's going to be me, Melissa Coleman, who does uh, Faux Martha and the Minimalist Kitchen, Stephanie Meyer, who does all of the great, um, you know, kind of eating around your allergies, the Fortify Food community. Uh, she just, uh, just love her very much. And, and me, and we will all be there. And so that'll be a fun time. Maggie Batista, thank you for being on the radio. Thank you so much, Dar. It was nice getting to know you, and I can't wait to be in Minneapolis for the first time. Maybe it won't snow. You never know. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, that was Maggie Batista, the new way to food. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, I'm going to answer your questions. Got questions? 81807. All right, Dara here. We're back. We're talking about all the things. If you're wondering what is up at WCCORadio.com right now, why that would be my favorite lentil recipes. Yeah, I, I, that is my, um, Maggie Batista talks about being in like active wellness mode where she's really, you know, focusing on taking care of herself. And I, for me, having something with split peas or lentils or some other, some other like very hearty soup that I make in a giant batch and then I have it in the freezer somewhere. Very big part of my active wellness. So the ones that are up there now is, you know, just not just soup because you all get bored. But I've got a beet, lentil, and beet green salad. So you get a bunch of beets that are all fancy. they got the beet greens. You're on your way to a good, good life. Okay. i got a French lentil salad with bacon and herbs. Little herbs in there. So I think this is a good Easter side dish. I know you all are practicing getting all your... Your your baking happening. Who out there is making their saffron breads for Easter? I know you are. I have another lentil side dish. And then you can just have these for breakfast. So filling. You make a big bash, have it for dinner. And then in the morning, maybe you just have a, a hard-boiled egg and a little bit of, of rosemary lentils in the style of Martha Stewart. Or you can just add water to it when you warm it up. And then you can just have it as a soup. These are all good things. I've got a really nice entree up at WCCORadio.com. Slow cooker curried lentils with chicken and potatoes. And then finally, this is kind of my lentil soup that I'm really feeling right now. It's a lentil soup with a little manchego cheese. Because a little fancy cheese 
It'll help you absorb some of those fat-soluble vitamins. And also, it's delicious. Those are all the things I have to say. Um, so those are all up at WCCORadio.com. Uh, you should go look at them because they're recipes and they're wonderful. All right, so I've got the questions of the week. Uh, somebody has got a good deal on Easter ham already looking for leftover ideas. Well, you know, you're you're a king, and I wish you would have told me where you got this good deal. But you can just throw your extra ham in the freezer and then have it again in a couple of weeks. I don't know that you need to immediately. That said... Bean soup with ham, one of life's great things. Uh, you know, you could also just kind of spend spend an hour and cut it all up into tiny bits and freeze it in individual bags. And then you can just add, you know, you can add it to your slow cooker split pea soup recipe. Um, you know, but, oh, ham. What, you know, what can't you do with it? You can you can make a ham and pea pasta. Has anyone ever do that? Bow tie pasta, some ham. Anyway, I support you stocking up on your hams. That's how I like to live. All right. I got another Easter question. Is the best wine to go with Easter ham? Well, I would have to say that, you know, the the two, the best wines that go with Easter hams tend to be something that's on the, you know, fruitier side. You don't want a lot of tannin. You don't want, you don't want a, a wine that kind of goes in that whiskey-ish direction, um, I'm just obsessed with <laughs> Liquor Boy because I'm there all the time these days. So, you know, the Liquor Boy in St. Louis Park where I have some stuff in the aisles, I'm recommending things. I've got a, a Pinot Noir Rosé, a very silky German Pinot Noir Rosé that's out there. That's like 13 bucks. You're looking for something cheaper. Um, could be the Oak Ridge Zinfandel. That's something. A Zinfandel is a, tends to be a juicier, a sweeter wine. Uh, and those are... Those, those would be great on an Easter buffet. All right. I got a question about the is it worth it to make bagels at home? Oh, that's a hard one. I always think that those those very difficult pastries, the bagels, the croissants, uh, they are – just go out for them. You know, I, I don't know. I understand that some people want to climb the mountain and learn to make a croissant themselves. I am not one of those people, and I put bagels in that camp. Um, I also never want, like, more than a dozen bagels. That's the, the most I ever want. All right. Oh, I should have mentioned, I will be at Liquor Boy next weekend, Saturday after the show. And next week, Cassie Joy Garcia, new book, Big Batch Gluten-Free. That's what I'll talk about. Until then, may your Easter breads rise as big as balloons and your pa- Passover matzah remain flat as a sheet. And I will meet you here be- next week on Off the Menu. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.